After Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus reveals the ultimate purpose of his ministry. These words prove hard to accept, even for a disciple whom Jesus has called a rock. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. From that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind on div- not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of our Lord. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If those words sound familiar to you, good. They're from last week's Romans reading where we read the first third-ish of chapter 12 and the remaining remainder of that chapter just a few moments ago. Today's sermon is the completion of what I had started for last week before the, Dra- before the Jesus was a drag queen song derailed things for a shorter sermon. So now, copying directly from a footnote on all of Romans chapter 12 in the Jewish annotated New Testament second edition, it says, living faithfully. Paul explains how Gentiles are to live faithfully as Christ followers in the midst of the Jewish communities of Rome. In disclosing how God is working through those Israelites who are bringing the message to the nations, as well as those who are not, Paul therefore exhorts the Gentile Christ followers to change their mindset and behavior to fulfill their responsibilities in this design. Rather than respond on the basis of present appearances, they are to live according to that which has been revealed, for they play an important role in the completion of God's gracious designs for everyone. Most of this chapter gives general instructions for how to live with respect and consideration toward everyone, including those who may oppose them and their claims. This they can do if they work together and look to God's empowerment, since God is the just judge who knows everyone's intentions and actions. Their responsibility is instead to serve the other, and they are to realize that they only play a small part, however important, in the midst of all humanity, 
So they must learn to live on behalf of everyone, even on behalf of those who may seem to be obstacles to their own success or happiness. As he argued in chapter 2, things, and people, may not be as they seem. Leave the judging to God. Most of the instructions are attested in Tanakh, the Jewish Bible, and contemporaneous wisdom literature. All right, so to back up now a little bit, we've been reading portions of Paul's letter to the Romans all summer. And if you didn't know, epistles are ordered by those attributed to Paul coming first, other letters second, and within those two categories, by length. Romans is the longest Pauline letter, so even though it's one of his later writings, circa early to mid-50s, it comes first in the epistles after Acts of the Apostles. Now, when it comes to Paul himself, there's a traditional belief that he was a Jewish convert to Christianity. Well, this is incorrect. In the first century, Christianity wasn't defined or delineated as separate or distinct from Judaism. Paul was, therefore, like Jesus, Jewish. But he was now a leader in this new sort of, but not yet, but not quite Jewish sect. The way, the way of Jesus, following the teachings and interpretations of the law as proclaimed by Rabbi Jesus, also called Christ by those who followed him. Over the centuries, especially as Christianity was becoming into its own established religion, Romans has been extremely influential in the development of Christian ideals and identity. See chapter 12. It has also been used by Christians to conceive of Jews and Judaism as inferior, though these are obviously mischaracterizations and not the only way to understand and interpret Paul's writing. Chapter 11, see our readings from a couple of weeks ago, is a key part of reversing this legacy of contempt as it explains God's commitment to Jews because of the irrevocable promises made to their ancestors. As we often say, God keeps God's promises. Even when we don't, God holds up their end. Inaccurate and sometimes straight up harmful misunderstandings have been historically supported by pairing Paul and Luther as each being against the legalism and works righteousness of their foundational faiths. Or there is a historical tradition of associating Paul with being against Judaism because he thought it was too legalistic and practiced works righteousness. And Luther said basically the same thing about Roman Catholicism. Again, incorrect. Yes, both Paul and Luther gave criticisms and critiques, especially of some of the hierarchies, but they were not against their respective faith traditions. Now, little asterisk, fine print. Luther definitely had some salty things to say and some straight up wrong things and harmful things, but we'll save unpacking some of that for another time. Now, since I've previously mentioned that some of the letters we traditionally attribute to Paul were not actually authored by him, let me be, state clearly that Romans is one of those that scholars pretty much all agree without argument 
uh, that Romans is a genuine Pauline letter. Again, it was written mid-century, nearer the end of his life, and this letter is believed to be written to Christ-following Gentiles living in Rome with a minority Jewish community around them. As Pauline expert Mark Nanos writes in his introduction to Romans in the Jewish annotated New Testament, Paul was a Jew who saw the Christ-following groups as an authentic expression of Judaism. He understood his mission to be one of bringing about the fullness of the aspirations of the Jewish people for the benefit of all people. He was not seeking to found a new religion. He engaged in an outreach to the Gentiles and pagans because he believed that in Jesus, the awaited age of God's restoration and rule, beginning with the Jewish community, i.e. Israel, and extending beyond it, had dawned. So returning to chapter 11. Paul's intended audience is Jesus-following Gentiles living in Rome amongst a minority community of Jews. And he writes to them about living together in faithful relationships, both with those who follow Jesus as they do and those who do not. He emphasizes that love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling we have for our children, our partners, and others, but love is a verb. It is active and moving. It requires sacrifice of one's comforts and pleasures for the good care of others, whether we think they are deserving of it or not, whether or not it is appreciated. Presbyterian minister Erica McCree shares a story about a seminary classmate, Etta, who had ongoing difficulties with her aging aunt, a bitter, cranky, mean, unpleasant, ungrateful woman. And one day, Etta came into class after having this bitter old hag moving in with her and spending yet another night in the emergency room for yet another non-emergency. Slumping over her desk, Etta said, Christian love is an action, not a feeling. And sometimes the only love I've got is Christian love. Reminding us that Paul told his readers to eschew the satisfaction of vengeance or getting even, Pastor McCree paraphrases much of Romans 12 as, be nice, that'll show them. Three months after the cranky aunt had moved in, Ada came into class looking much more relaxed. The aunt was still alive, still as impossible as ever, but Etta had changed her perspective. I've chosen to be kind. It's what the Lord wants from me. Not my fault that kindness lands like hot coals on auntie. As Christ followers, we live among others who also follow Jesus and those who do not. But regardless of others' faith journeys and their behaviors, or their attitudes towards us, we are to be active in godly love and work and live on behalf of all of humanity. When you see someone in need, provide for that need. If they thank you, great. 
If they swear at you, wish them a good day just the same. Paul ends the chapter. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen.